After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awud and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fifth may Allah be his help has stated, in the previous sermon, the incident of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, with regards to the cave of Thor was being mentioned. In the following verse of the Holy Qur'an, which relates to this incident when the enemies had reached the cave of Thor, Allah the Almighty states, the translation of which is, If you help him not, then know that Allah helped him even when the disbelievers drove him forth while he was one of the two, when they were both in the cave. When he said to his companion, Grieve not, for Allah is with us. Then Allah sent down his peace on him and strengthened him with hosts which you did not see and humbled the word of those who disbelieved and it is the word of Allah alone which is supreme and Allah is mighty, wise. This has been mentioned in the Holy Quran in relation to the incident 
that took place in the cave of Thor. The disbelievers of Makkah were speaking to one another at the entrance of the cave. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, heard them and became anxious as to what would happen if they were to capture the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, at this place. Because the entire religion of Islam was due to the blessed life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, noticed that Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was becoming anxious, he said, لا تحزن إن الله معنا Grieve not, for Allah is with us, O Abu Bakr. The enemy followed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And when they reached the mountain where the cave of Thor was located, the person who was searching their tracks said, I cannot tell where these two individuals went from here. When they came near the cave, he said, By God, the person you are pursuing did not go beyond this point. When the person searching the tracks uttered these words at the entrance of the cave, and at this point someone even wanted to take a look into the cave, Umayyah bin Khalaf said in a rather harsh and careless manner, I have seen this web and tree here even before Muhammad, peace be upon him, was born. You must have lost your mind. How could he be here? Let us leave this place and look for him elsewhere. Having said this, the people returned. In Sirat Khatamun Nabiyyin, the life and character of the seal of the prophets, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, has mentioned the announcement of the Quraysh of Makkah and their pursuit of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the following manner. An open announcement was made that whoever brings Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, back, dead or alive, shall be given a bounty of 100 camels. Therefore, longing for this reward, many people set out in all directions of Makkah. Even the chieftains of, of the Quraysh set out behind the Holy Prophet And following clues, they precisely reached the mouth of the cave of Thor. Arriving here, their detective said, That is it, the footsteps go no further. Therefore, either Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is hiding nearby, or he has ascended to the heavens. Someone said, Go and check the inside of this cave as well. But someone else said, Alas, what logic is there in such an idea? Is it possible for an individual to hide in such a cave? This is an extremely dark and dangerous place and we have always looked upon it as such. It is also narrated that after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, entered the cave, a spider spun a web on the tree, which was located just at the entrance of the cave, and a pigeon made a nest and laid its eggs on the branch, which was exactly in front of the cave. According to Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, this narration is weak. But if something of this sort happen, it is not bewildering in the least. Although it is a weak narration, however, it is not astonishing. In some cases, a spider weaves a web over a vast area in just minutes, and it does not take long for a pigeon to make a nest and lay its eggs. Therefore, if by his divine power, God the Almighty made this happen for the protection of his messenger, it is not unbelievable. Rather, considering the situation at hand, it is completely plausible. In any case, no man from the Quraysh went in, and all the people returned from here. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, further writes, It is narrated that the Quraysh reached so near that their feet could be seen from inside the cave, and their voices could be heard. 
At this point, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, apprehensively but quietly said to the Holy Prophet, Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, O Messenger of Allah, the Quraysh are so close that their feet can be seen. If they come forward even a little more and snare in, they will be able to see us. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, La tahzan inna ma'ana, meaning, Worry not, Allah is with us. Then the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, وَمَا ذَنُّكَ يَا أَبَا بَكْرٍ لِإِثْنَيْنِ اللَّهُ ثَالِثُهُمَا Meaning, O Abu Bakr, what do you infer of those two individuals, the third of whom is God? In another narration it is narrated that when the Quraysh reached the mouth of the cave, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, became very worried. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, noticed his anxiety, he comforted him that there is nothing to worry about. At this, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, said in a weeping tone, إِن قُتِلْتُ فَأَنَا رَجُلٌ وَاحِدٌ وَإِن قُتِلْتَ أَنْتَ فَهَلَكَتِ الْأُمَّةِ Meaning, O Messenger of Allah, if I am killed, I am merely one man. But if God forbid you are harmed, then it is as if the entire community has been erased. Upon this, after receiving revelation from God, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, responded in the following words, لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعْنَا Meaning, O Abu Bakr, do not worry at all because Allah is with us and we are both under His divine protection. In other words, you are worried for me, and in the passion of your sincerity, you feel no grief for your own life. However, at this time, not only is God the Almighty, my protector, but yours as well, and he shall protect us from the evil of our enemy. This was a reference from Seer al-Khatam al-Nabiyyin. Whilst mentioning these details in one instance, Hazrat Muslim Maud, may Allah be pleased with him, states, When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was commanded by Allah Almighty to migrate, he departed with Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, to Cave Thor, situated six to seven miles from Mecca. At the peak of this mountain was a cave in which they sat and hid. When the disbelievers saw in the morning that he was not present in his home and that he had successfully escaped in spite of all the security measures in place, they immediately set off in search of him. They hired the best trackers of Mecca who had expertise in recognizing footprints who led them to the cave of Thor. They said that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has to be here. There are no further footprints beyond here. At the time, the enemies were right at the mouth of the cave and the entrance was not narrow. It was not difficult to glance inside. In fact, it was such an open and spacious entrance to the cave that it was easy to look inside and see if there was anyone sitting there or not. Yet despite this being the case, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was never overcome with fear. In fact, due to the spiritual strength he possessed, the heart of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, also remained firm, and he did not say like the companions of Moses, peace be upon him, that they were going to be captured. Rather, if he uttered anything, it was that, O Messenger of Allah, the enemies are so close and if they even lower their heads a little, they would see us. However, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, Uskut ya Abu Bakrin, Remain quiet, Abu Bakr. We are not just two in this moment. The third with us is Allah. So how will they be able to spot us? Hence, this is what came to pass. Despite the enemy reaching the entrance of the cave, they were not able to move forward and look inside. And from there, they wandered back. One aspect from this incident is that where the companions of Moses, peace be upon him, panicked, saying, O Moses, we have been captured, with the thought that even Moses, peace be upon him, would have been seized 
and they would all be captured by Pharaoh. The trust of Hazrat Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was such that the impact it had on his companion was such that his tongue would not even utter the words we have been caught. All he said was that the enemy was so close now that if they wished to, they could spot us. Yet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the messenger of Allah, would not even tolerate this fear and said, Do not think that we are only two at this moment in time, for another being is with us who is our God. Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, states in another instance, When the people of Makkah had intensified their injustices against the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to the extent that it was hindering the efforts to propagate their faith, Allah the Almighty commanded that they leave Makkah. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was prepared to depart from Makkah alongside him. He was told prior to this on a number of occasions to make his way, but he was not prepared to leave without the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was about to depart, he had Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, accompany him. Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, states, When they left in the night, there is a place in the mountains in which they remained, which I also saw during the Hajj, where there is a small cave, the mouth of which is two to three yards wide. When the Makkans realized that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had left Makkah, they went in pursuit of him. They used to be very skilled trackers among the Arabs, and with their help, they managed to reach the exact spot where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, were sat. By divine decree, some bushes had grown in front of the mouth of the cave, the branches of which had intertwined. If the people had moved these branches aside, they would have easily seen the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, sat there. When the trackers reached this spot, they said that either they have ascended to heaven or they are sat in there. They have not gone any further than here. Imagine at the time how delicate the situation was. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, became concerned, but not for himself, rather... For the sake of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then said, La tahzan inna Allah ma'ana. Do not grieve for Allah is with us. Had the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, not witnessed God Almighty with him, it would have been impossible to not worry in such a delicate situation. Even the most courageous of people would have panicked in, if the enemy had reached even close to their exact spot. Yet when the enemies of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who had been after his life for the last 13 years, had reached the exact spot, and to whom the trackers were saying that he had either ascended to heaven or is sat in there, and has not gone any further. In that moment, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uttered, La tahzan inna Allah ma'ana, Allah is with us, so you have no reason to worry. It was due to his deep knowledge of God that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, felt the presence of Allah within himself and understood that with his own perishing would perish the very cognizance of the divine, which is why no one could cause him to perish. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Jesus, peace be upon him, chose one person, Thomas, to accompany him. Just as our Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, chose only Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, at the time of the migration to Medina. The Roman Empire had declared Jesus, peace be upon him, to be a rebel. And even Pilate had been assassinated on the order of Caesar due to the same accusation. Because he was a secret supporter of Jesus, peace be upon him, and his wife was also the follower of Jesus, peace be upon him. Hence, it was necessary that Jesus, peace be upon him, should depart the country secretly and not take a group with him. 
Therefore, he took only Thomas the Apostle with him on this journey. Just as our Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took only Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, with him in his journey to Medina. And just as the rest of the companions of our Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, joined him in Medina, having taken different routes, so did the disciples of Jesus, peace be upon him, join him through different routes at different times. Then, at another instance, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, says, In short, the truth and sincerity of Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him, manifested at a time when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was surrounded by his assailants. Although some of them were of the opinion that he should merely be banished from Mecca, most of them actually sought to put an end to his life. It was at that hour that Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, demonstrated his sincerity and loyalty, which will shine as an example until the end of time. In this trying hour, the very selection of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is an outstanding argument in favour of the truthfulness and supreme loyalty of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him. This is also the case with the selection of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. At that time, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had 70 or 80 companions, and even Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, was with him. But from all of these companions, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, chose none other than Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. What is the secret in this? The fact is that a prophet sees through the eyes of Allah Almighty, and his insight comes from God Almighty. Therefore, Allah the Almighty had informed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, by means of vision and revelation, that the best and most appropriate person for this task was Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in this difficult hour. This was a time of perilous trial. When a similar time dawned upon the Messiah, peace be upon him, his disciples abandoned him and fled. And one of them even stood before him and cursed him. But each and every one of the noble companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, demonstrated complete loyalty. Therefore, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him, stood by the Holy Prophet and gave him full support. And when they reached the cave known as the Cave of Thor, they both took refuge in the cave. The evil disbelievers who had conspired to harm the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, were led to this cave in their search. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him, submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Now these people are upon us, and if any of them looks down even slightly, they will be able to see us, and we shall be apprehended. At that time, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, La tahsan inna Allaha ma'ana, meaning do not fear in the least, for Allah the Almighty is with us. Reflect on these words. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, joins Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him, with himself, and states, Inna Allaha ma'ana. Verily, Allah is with us. The Arabic word ma'ana, with us, refers to both of them, i.e. with you and me. Allah the Almighty placed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, on the side, and Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with him, on the other. At that time, both of them were in a state of trial. For it was at this point in time when the foundation of Islam was either going to be secured or brought to an end. The enemy stood at the mouth of the cave and various opinions were being voiced. Some said that the cave ought to be searched because the footprints end at the cave while others pointed out that it was impossible for a person to pass through here and enter the cave as a spider had woven a web at the mouth of the cave and a pigeon had laid its eggs. These discussions could be heard from within the cave and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, could also hear them clearly. In this state of affairs, the enemy had come to kill them both and had set out with immense vigour to complete their task. But just observe the remarkable courage of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who says to his true friend, La tahzan inna Allah ma'ana. Grieve not, for Allah is with us. These words evidently demonstrate that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said the aforementioned phrase with his tongue, 
because such words could only be expressed with a voice and not through sign language. The enemy stood outside consulting amongst themselves and inside the cave, both servant and master are also engaged in discourse. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had no concern that the enemy would hear his voice and this is proof of his remarkable faith and his insight into Allah the Almighty. It demonstrates that he had full trust in the promises of God Almighty. This one example alone is enough to show the bravery of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Then in another instance, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated, an extraordinary manifestation that God the Glorious exhibited for safeguarding his Immaculate Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was that though his enemies had arrived outside the cave in which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was hidden with his companion, they could not see him, for God Almighty had sent a pair of pigeons which built a nest the same night at the entrance of the cave and also laid the eggs there. And by divine command, a spider also wove its web at the place, whereby the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ became baffled and returned frustrated. In the narrations it is stated that according to the agreed arrangements, Hazrat Abu Bakr's, may Allah be pleased with him, astute son, Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Bakr, would come to the cave, Thor, in the evenings and inform them about the daily activities of Makkah. He would receive instructions and then at dawn he would return to Makkah discreetly, as if he spent the entire night in Makkah. Furthermore, the wisdom of Amir bin Fuhaira was such that after he gave the goats milk, he would bring them back to the flock of goats in a way that it would conceal the footprints of Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Some biographers have written that Hazrat Asma, may Allah be pleased with her, would bring food each night. However, this seems highly unlikely. Given the dangerous circumstances at the time, some biographers state that for a woman to visit there, i.e. Cave of Thor, each night would be akin to exposing the entire plan. And this is the correct viewpoint. Furthermore, since Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was visiting each day, there was no need for Hazrat Asma, may Allah be pleased with her, to bring food. Nonetheless, Allah knows best. Three days passed by in this manner. When the people of Makkah searched all the surrounding places and returned unsuccessful, they consulted with one another and announced a large reward. They sent town criers to each nearby settlement to make the announcement that whosoever brings back Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, dead or alive, will receive a reward of 100 camels. The greed of such a large reward reinvigorated many people to set out in search of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. At the same time, since three days had passed, Abdullah bin Uraikit brought the camels according to the agreed plan. A narration of Sahih al-Bukhari mentions that it was settled with Abdullah bin Uraikit that after three days had passed, he would bring the camels with him on the next morning. From this narration, it seems that the journey from Cave Thor to Medina began in the morning. However, from another narration of Bukhari, it is clarified that the journey had in fact started in the evening time. Whilst mentioning Abdullah bin Uraikit, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, writes, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, had entrusted their camels to him and explained that after three nights, on the morning of the third day, to reach the cave of Thor with their camels. Therefore, as per the agreement, he reached there. This is a famous nation of Bukhari, 
but historians write that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left during the night time. And this itself is supported by another narration of Bukhari. However, the idea that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, departed at night seems to be the most believable notion as well. As a Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, states, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left the cave on the night of Monday 1st Rabi'ul Awwal and continued the journey. According to Ibn Sa'd, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left the cave on the night of Monday 4th of Rabi'ul Awwal. The first date was narrated by Khamis and the commentator of Sahih al-Bukhari. Allama ibn Hajar al-Asqalani writes that Imam Hakim states that there are numerous narrations which state that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left Makkah on Monday and arrived in Medina on Monday as well, except for Muhammad bin Musa Khwarizmi. He stated that the Holy Prophet left Makkah on Thursday. In order to reconcile these different narrations, Allama ibn Hajar writes that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left Makkah on Thursday and after spending three nights in the cave, i.e. Friday, Saturday and Sunday, he left for Medina on the night of Monday. The camel which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mounted himself upon is said to be Al-Qaswa. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, mounted upon a camel along with Amir bin Fuhaira, while Uraikat mounted on a camel of his own. The total wealth that Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, had at the time in his home was five to six thousand dirham, and he brought this with him. According to some narrations, Amir bin Fuhaira and Hazrat Asma came with food which consisted of roasted goat meat. Upon reaching there, they realized that they had no cloth to tie the food and water vessel with. Hazrat Asma loosened her girdle and ripped it into two pieces. With one of the pieces, she tied the food, and with the other piece, she tied the water vessel. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gave Hazrat Asma the glad tidings of two girdles in paradise. He then told everyone to leave and started his journey with the following prayer. Allahumma sahabni fi safari wa khlufni fi ahli. That is, O Allah, become my companion in this journey of mine and become the guardian of my family. This incident of tying the food was previously mentioned that it took place when they were departing from the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. However, in this narration it is reported to have taken place at this occasion. Thus, there are two different occasions reported in history as to when this particular incident took place. Some are of the opinion that its incident took place when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was migrated from Makkah and was leaving from the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and was going towards the cave of Thor. However, another opinion is that this incident took place when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was leaving the cave of Thor and migrating towards Medina. In any case, there are two narrations. However, based on the details of the migration which has been mentioned by Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, and recorded in Bukhari, it seems that this incident took place when they were leaving from the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Thus, it is deemed more appropriate to give preference to the narration of Bukhari. This is because firstly, due to the confidentiality of their stay in the cave of Thor, it seems unlikely that Hazrat Asma would go there to take food. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Bakr and Hazrat Amir bin Fuhaira were already going there secretly every day, Therefore, for women to go there in such circumstances would go against the measures adopted for security and precaution. Nevertheless, this incident of tying the food with her girdle in the home also demonstrates Hazrat Asma's devotion and extreme love for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and she did not want to waste any time by looking for something else to tie the food with. 
Of course, it can be said that this took place in the cave because there was nothing available there to tie the food with. But this incident could have taken place in the home as well, whereby she did not find something immediately. And so to save time, she took her girdle and tied the food with it. And thus helped to see Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, off on their journey. Hence, according to the narration of Bukhari, it seems more accurate that the incident of tying the food took place when they were about to leave from the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, as opposed to leaving from the cave of Thor for Medina. In any case, Allah knows best. Hazrat Asma relates... When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, left for the migration, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, took all his wealth with him, which amounted to five or six thousand dirhams. She further relates, Our grandfather, Abu Kuhafa, came to us, and by that time he had lost his eyesight. He said, By Allah, he, I, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, has left you in a trial not only on account of himself, but also through his wealth. Upon this I stated, O oh my grandfather, certainly not, for he has left us with an abundance of wealth. I then took some stones and placed them in an aperture where my father would put his money and then placed a cloth over them. I then took hold of my grandfather's hand and said, Here, place your hand on the wealth. He placed his hand on it and then said, if he has left so much wealth behind, then he has done well, and there is no harm done. Hazrat Asma further relates, I swear by Allah, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, did not leave anything behind, but I just wanted to reassure this elderly man through this. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, writes, after he left the cave, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mounted himself upon a camel, which in light of various narrations was named Al-Qaswa. While Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and his servant, Amir bin Fuhayra, mounted upon the other. Upon his departure, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, cast a final glance towards Makkah and said in intense grief, O city of Makkah, you are more beloved to me than all places of the world but your people have not allowed me to live there. At that time, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, said, These people have exiled their Prophet. Indeed, they shall be destroyed. Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, states, After waiting two days in the cave, according to the agreed plan, the mounts were brought near the cave in the night, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his companions set out on fleet camels, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the guide were both mounted on one of the camels. It is also mentioned in the narrations that both were mounted on one camel, and according to another, other narrations, there were three camels. In any case, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and his servant, Amir bin Fuhaira, were mounted on the other camel. Just before departing from Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, turned towards the direction of Makkah, the holy city which was his birthplace, where his advent took place, and the place where his ancestors from the time of Hazrat Ismail, may Allah be pleased with him, had been living. The holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, cast a final glance and addressed the city with great anguish, O city of Makkah, you are more beloved to me than all the places of the world, but your people have not allowed me to live here. At that time, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, said with great regret, These people have exiled their Prophet, indeed they shall be destroyed. 
According to one narration, when they reached Jofa, which is situated approximately 82 miles from Makkah, the following verse was revealed. Most surely he who has made the teaching of the Qur'an binding on thee will bring thee back to thy place of return. They continued the journey through the entire night and as midday approached, they took some rest in the shade of a large rock. Has Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, prepared a place for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to lay down and then requested him to take some rest. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then lay down. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, then left to see whether anyone was coming in pursuit of them. During this time, a shepherd came towards them in search of some shade. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, relates, I asked him, young boy, whose servant are you? He replied that he was the servant of one of the members of the Quraysh. He said the name which I recognized. I then asked him if his goats had any milk, to which he replied in the affirmative. I then asked him if he could draw some milk for us, to which he agreed. And so I asked him to draw out some milk for us. The young boy took hold of one of his goat's leg and placed it between his shank and thigh. I told him to first properly clean the udders and then, under my supervision, I had the milk drawn out into the bowl. He then added some water to cool the milk and I then presented it to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. According to some narrations, when Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, came to present the milk to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he was still asleep. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, did not deem it appropriate to disturb the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, whilst he was resting, and so waited until the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, woke up. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, woke up, he presented the milk and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, please drink this. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, drank so much that Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, states that his disposition was filled with happiness. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, then submitted, O Messenger of Allah, the time for our departure has come. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, Yes. In another narration, it states that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, We should continue with, on with our journey. Upon which Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, submitted, Yes, my master. And following this, they continued on with their journey. The incident in relation to the pursuit of Suraka bin Malik is as follows. Uraikit, who was an exceptionally skillful guide, started the journey towards Medina from the coastal towns, which was a different route from the traditional route to Medina. The news of 100 camels as a reward had spread in Makkah and its neighboring areas, and everyone was desirous of attaining this huge reward. Suraka bin Malik, who later became a Muslim, related this incident after having embraced Islam. The disbelievers amongst the Quraysh sent a messenger who announced a bounty for whosoever brought back the Holy Prophet or Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, dead or alive. Suraka further relates, I was sitting in a gathering of my people, the Banu Mudlij, when someone came to us. He was standing there whilst we were all sat and he said, O Suraka, I have just seen some shadows from the coast of the sea. Or he said, I have seen a caravan consisting of three people and I believe that it is Muhammad. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Suraka says, I immediately figured that this must be them, but I wanted to acquire all the reward for myself. And so I quickly took control of the delicate situation and signaled with my eye to the person who brought this news to remain quiet. And I said, 
No, it cannot be the caravan of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In fact, the people you are referring to have just passed in front of us and belong to such such tribe who are searching for their lost camels. Suraka says, Having remained sat there for a short while, so as to not raise any suspicion, I left the gathering and came to my lady servant and said, Saddle my fast-paced horse and take it to the rear of the home and wait there for me. Suraka later arrived there and then states, I then took an omen, which turned out to be against my journey. However, I showed no concern and kicked the horse with my foot and raced off in pursuit of the caravan, which I believed to be the caravan of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Suraka says, Quickly covering the distances, I reached close to the caravan. I was still a little distance away when something unusual happened and my horse struck something and I fell off it. I stood up and again took an omen, which yet again turned out against my wish. But I wanted to take back Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with me and receive the reward of 100 camels. I stood up and mounted on my horse again and now I was so close that not only was I able to recognize that this was Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, but I could also hear Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, recite something. Once again, my horse badly struck something, and his feet were driven into the ground, and I fell off it. I regained myself and scolded the horse. However, the horse was unable to hoist them out of the ground. Finally, when it was able to stand upright, the dust from its two feet spread into the air like a cloud of smoke. In other words, the feet of the horse had been so firmly driven into the ground that when it took them out, there was a cloud of dust. Suraka states, I again took an omen by a throw of arrows, and again the outcome was that which I did not desire. And so while stood in that very place, I gave a call for reconciliation and said, You will not receive any harm from me. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, turned towards Abu, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and said, Ask him what is it that he wants. To which Suraka replied, I am Suraka and I wish to speak to you all. And so they stopped and Suraka then told them that the people of Makkah had announced a reward of 100 camels for whoever captured them dead or alive. He stated, In order to attain this reward, I came in pursuit of you. However, after seeing what has happened to me, I am convinced that this plan of mine is not right. After this, he also offered some provisions to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not accept them and only stated that their whereabouts should be kept secret. Suraka gave his promise and along with this, he also stated, I am sure that someday you will become a king. Please give me a written declaration of peace so that when I come in your presence, I am treated respectfully. According to a narration, Suraka requested for a written declaration of peace and upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, wrote this for him. And according to another narration, it was Amir bin Fuhaira who wrote it. Following this, Suraka took the written declaration and returned. These accounts will inshallah continue. Inshallah from tomorrow the new year will begin. May Allah the Almighty make the coming year a blessed one for the members of the Jamaat and also collectively for the entire Jamaat in every respect. May Allah the Almighty protect the Jamaat from every kind of evil and completely destroy the ploys of the enemies.
may we abundantly witness in our lifetime the fulfillment of the promises that Allah the Almighty vouchsafed to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. May Allah the Almighty enable us to witness these. Thus continue to pray a lot and enter the new year with prayers. Make a particular effort to observe the tahajjud prayer. Various mosques will be organizing congregational tahajjud and those that have not done so should also make arrangements for this. If it cannot be done in congregation, then one should offer the tahajjud prayer individually or arrangements should be made in the homes for congregation. Nonetheless, ensure to offer the tahajjud prayer and offer supplications. Although one should be in the habit of offering the tahajjud prayer, but after offering it tomorrow, then try then to make this a permanent habit in your lives. May Allah the Almighty grant everyone the ability to do this. In addition to the durood and istighfar, also recite the following prayers as much as possible. Rabbana la tuzakulubana ba'da'id hadaytana wahablana milanunka rahmah innaka antal wahab. Our Lord, let not our hearts become perverse after Thou hast guided us and bestow on us mercy from Thyself. Surely Thou alone art the bestower. Also recite the following prayer. Rabbana ghfirlana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina wa thabbit aqdamana wa nsurna alal qawmil kafirin. Our Lord, forgive us our errors and our excesses in our conduct and make firm our steps and help us against the disbelieving people. May Allah the Almighty grant every Ahmadi the ability to do so. After the Friday prayers, I will also lead the funeral prayers in absentia of a few members. I will mention some details about them. The first mention is of Malik Farooq Ahmed Khokar Sahib who had served as Amir Jamaat for Multan. He passed away on 18th of December at the age of 80. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. To Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. His father was Malik Umar Ali Kokar Sahib, who was known as the nobleman of Multan, and his mother was Sayyida Nusrat Jahan Begum Sahiba. She was known by the name of Sayyida Begum. She was the daughter of Hazrat Mir Muhammad Ishaq Sahib. May Allah be pleased with him. Malik Umar Ali Sahib accepted Ahmadiyyat and had the opportunity to take bath in his youth by going to Qadian during the time of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II. May Allah be pleased with him. Malik Umar Ali Sahib passed away quite young and at that time Malik Farooq Ahmad Sahib was only about 20 to 22 years of age. He was in his youth. Aside from his land in Karachi, Malik Umar Ali Sahib owned a few businesses there. Malik Farooq Ahmed Sahib was able to handle all of this in an excellent manner and provided care for his mother and stepmother and siblings. For a long period of time, Malik Farooq Ahmed Kokar Sahib served as guide Majlis Khudam al for Multan and following that as local guide of Multan. From 1980 to 1985, he had the opportunity to serve as the Amir of Multan and during his this appointment, he also served as Amir in the city of Multan. He was married in 1968 to Dardana Sahiba, the daughter of Hazrat Mirza Aziz Ahmed Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him. Their nikah was announced by Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him. Allah the Almighty blessed them with one son and five daughters. His wife states, He was a very loving and caring person. He would pay attention to the small things, pray tahajjud regularly, 
and would also wake me up for tahajjud every day. Even on the day he passed away, he offered voluntary prayers and then went to bed. He would always try to remain in a state of wudu. She continues, he was not yet appointed as Amir, but whenever any sort of problem emerged regarding an Ahmadi, or even upon a phone call from an Ahmadi, he would be ready to offer his services. When he became Amir, he told me that I should always have some food and tea prepared because guests could be expected at any moment. She says, I do not remember a time when we did not have guests over. Someone would always be staying at our home. He would also offer our home to missionaries to stay. Our home had become the office. He was very generous and loving. All our non-Ahmadi relatives, the whole the whole Kokar family, in fact, deeply respected and loved him. He always honoured his relations with them all. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he recited the Holy Qur'an in an excellent manner. She continues, When I used to recite the Holy Qur'an, he would correct me without having to look at the Holy Qur'an. His son Talha says, He took great care of both his mother's and never differentiated between them. He also discharged the responsibility of having all his brothers and sisters married. His home was always open to everyone, just as his heart was, especially for life devotees. He had prepared a house in Khair Agli Mari, and he used to say that he built it especially for the Jamaat. He never denied anyone to stay there. Whoever wanted to would go and stay there. He continues, During the hardships that followed the legislative ordinance in 1984, by the grace of God, he continued to encourage his colleagues in Multan and the city with his courageous personality. He never allowed them to weaken and falter. By the grace of Allah, he was a part of the envoy during the migration of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV. May Allah have mercy on him. At one occasion, he also had the opportunity to lead that envoy and guided them to the right route. His son further says, During my father's appointment as Amir, our home was more of an office than a home, and it was always a lively atmosphere. He had delegated his work of tending to his land to his younger brother and dedicated all of his time for the service of faith. Everyone would come to see him without any sort of formality. He had a very easygoing disposition. He would also help his non-Ahmadi relatives financially. He continues, Some of our relatives who attended the funeral were crying and saying that they had been left on their own, for he would take care of them. He inculcated the habit of praying within us, especially the Fajr morning prayer. His younger daughter, Faiza, says, Our father's unwavering trust in Allah was exemplary for us. He endured hard times and all sorts of circumstances. He was orphaned in his youth. He saw times of hardships and of ease. But I have observed since childhood that my father very openly declared his trust in Allah and would often say that all of his work was completed by Allah the Almighty himself. She says, My father had boundless love for Khilafat. Whenever he would speak about Khilafat, he would begin to cry. He was even subjected to a severe hardship and endured it with great patience and prayers. His younger brother, Malik Tariq Ali Kokar, who is from his second mother, says, My father passed away when I was nine years old, and my older brother, Malik Farooq, was 22 years old. 
However, he took care of us just like a father, and throughout my life he never let me feel the absence of my father. He then writes, he had a particular influence over his non-Ahmadi relatives, and he would take care of all of them as well. He was also supporting many Ahmadi families, and after sponsoring the education of many children, he helped them get jobs as well. He says, my brother would give anyone in need a loan, and would never ask for it to be returned. He always would give it with the intention that this was a loan not to be returned. He says, Many new converts have said that after entering the fold of Ahmadiyyad, Malik Farooq Kokar Sahib treated them like his own and would help to fulfill their needs. He had turned 80 years of age, but for the last two years, he was concerned about fulfilling the payment of property which he had pledged as financial sacrifice. He was able to pay the majority of it and some amount remains. May Allah the Almighty enable his children to fulfill the remaining amount. His sister Tahira, who is also from his second mother, says, My brother always treated me like a caring father. His greatest quality was that he never made any distinction between his actual siblings and step-siblings. Rather, he treated all of his siblings equally and treated both his mothers equally as well. He never made us feel like we have separate mothers. She then says, He truly was like my father. His relationship with me was just like any father who silently supports his daughter in hardship and in happiness. His daughter Namud Sahar says, There are some prominent aspects of my father's life which I constantly recall. Foremost among them are his hospitality and his relationship of love with others. She continues, His standard of hospitality was such that if some food had been prepared at home and some guests came to eat while the members of our household were sitting at the table about to eat, he would send that same food to the guests. And the members of the household would simply fry some eggs and eat those. She then says, A person makes many mistakes through the course of their life. There are ups and downs, and as such, he has to endure some trials during his lifetime. But even then, he never said anything against Khilafat, which would make us feel as if the Khalifa's decision was wrong. He took special care to ensure that our household listened to the Friday sermon and remained attached with the Jamaat. May Allah the Almighty grant him forgiveness and mercy. May he grant his children patience and forbearance and enable them to excel in virtue. The next mention is of Rahmatullah Sahib from Indonesia who passed away at the age of 66. To Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He was born in East Java. He did bait the oath of allegiance and entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat in 1980 through the efforts of respected Suyuti Aziz Ahmad Sahib, the former head of Tablir for Indonesia. He also became part of the Wasiat scheme in 1993. He continued to serve the Jamaat in Karantaka until his demise. He is survived by his wife, three children and six grandchildren. His wife writes, He once saw a dream in which he was among a large group of people standing in lines. 
In the dream, he asked someone which line he should join. Someone pointed him in the direction of a line in which a holy person was standing, whom he did not recognize. Sometime later, he learned that the holy person whom he saw in the dream was the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. And it was for this reason that he accepted the truth of Ahmadiyyat and did bad. His daughter writes, After doing bad, not only did he serve in the central Jamaat, but he also served at a local level in Majlis and Sarullah. The Jamaat would receive threats of attacks from its opponents. The deceased would bravely defend the Jamaat. He was very generous. Whenever someone came to him for help or needed a loan, he would always help them. His third daughter writes, He loved Khilaf a great deal and was very obedient. The Amir of Indonesia, Abdul Basit Sahib, writes, He greatly loved Khilafat and the Jamaat. He says, There is a Jamaat in one of the cities of East Java, where the opponents of the Jamaat attacked our mosque a few times and pressured the local authorities to restrict the Jamaat's activities. Upon this, Rahmatullah Sahib bravely stood up to the opponents and the authorities and responded to the allegations which they were raising. Due to his efforts, the Jamaat is still established there to this day and no restrictions were imposed. May Allah the Almighty grant him forgiveness and mercy and enable his children to carry on his virtues. The next mention is of Al-Hajj Abdul Hamid Taq Sahib of Yaripura, Kashmir. He passed away on 24th of December at the age of 94. To Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He was a Musi by the grace of Allah the Almighty. He was the son of Muhammad Ikram Taq Sahib of Yaripura, who was one of the early Ahmadis in this area. He was very virtuous, kind, sociable, beloved by all, dignified and quiet in nature. He was able to serve the Jamaat for a long time. He was the provincial Amir of Jammu and Kashmir and was also the district Amir and Nazim Ansarullah. He also served the central Jamaat in various positions. Every year he was an honorary member of the Anjuman Tahrik Jadid India. During his time as provincial Amir in 1987, five Jamaat schools were established. He strove a great deal for the establishment of various mosques and mission houses. He would also strive to enhance the intellectual capabilities of youngsters and was always at the forefront in this task. He was well respected in Yaripura due to his services to society. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy. May his progeny be pious and righteous and be bestowed with the ability to serve the Jamaat. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, Anastainu, Anastafiru, Wanomino, Wanatokalu, Wale, Wanauzabilah, Himshurian, Fusino, Women say, Yatia, Ummayyud 